0: with the pumped up kicks better run, better run i run back down All the other kids with the pumped up kicks better run, better run Faster than my body All the other kids Hello, welcome to Question Block. I'm Alex, or at Wires of NYC on Instagram, and with me is...
1: Aerialist.
0: Aerialist, How you doing?
1: I'm gunning for that number one spot, I was, babe. I was
0: going to say, I got, I got you uh, tickets. Oh, to what? Got you a set of tickets to the gun show.
1: Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> This uh, is my gun sound.
0: So this episode is about guns and ammo done at the request of one of our listeners. Uh, Ariel, first tell me, what are, you, what are you dressed as?
1: I think my name is Cheyenne. I think I live in the backwoods. You're a woodswoman. Yeah. You're a woods woman. And I think I have a bunch of guns. You
0: use guns for hunting and- uh, Baby right. making. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Dishwashing. Shooting
0: in the air for hollering. And I'm dressed as sort of a, a Wild West pioneer figure. And I use guns to keep the prairie safe.
1: <laughs> You're a prairie dog. <laughs> also
0: for hunting, yeah. Prairie a a dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> nice. We did say, have you ever fired a gun? Yes. Your dad has some guns, right? He does. Yeah, your dad's a real woodsman. He has guns. And I fired guns both because I had I had friends who owned guns in college. So we went to the firing range and safely fired them. And uh, I was a Boy Scout in a Boy Scout camp. We did some shooting. And my grandmom, when she lived in Montana, had a 22 rifle. Wow. She didn't, but my great aunt, who was like 80 at the time or late 70s, like killed a coyote because coyotes would break into their farm and eat the chicks. You wanted to start off with some terms because probably our listeners aren't that familiar with guns. And we weren't either, really, before we started this episode. I'll ask you. You can demonstrate your your new f- Uh-oh. knowledge. Uh-oh. Uh oh, I'm scared. What is what is a what oh. is a handgun?
1: <clears throat> it's a gun that fits in your hand.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there you go. What is a rifle?
1: It's a gun that does not fit in your hand. That's kind of long.
0: And it has a rifled barrel.
1: Oh, I actually didn't know that. Okay, <laughs> oops. Uh, it's
0: a, it has like a grooved, a spiral groove that runs down the length of the barrel, which makes the bullet spin, which makes it a lot more accurate. Kind of mm-hmm. like how a football spirals. What
1: Basically, is... I learned there's long, there's like long guns and short yeah.
0: guns. There you go.
1: And it's it's actually it's cool though, right? Because the long guns, they're as you would think it's like to sh- to shoot stuff a little bit farther away, and the short guns are to shoot stuff that stuff is closer. far away.
0: Yeah, it corresponds to both the size and distance that it's meant to shoot. Uh, what is a shotgun?
1: It's also a long gun, but I guess it doesn't have a rifle thing.
0: Yeah, a shotgun is a smoothbore, and it shoots a cartridge generally of something. It's called shot. I guess I ran out of words. I don't know it what it's called. A shot. Shot. It shoots shot, which is a bunch of pellets. Shotguns shoot a bunch of steel pellets. So they're like not accurate and they, they don't go long distance, but they shoot a very broad, like cloud of shot.
1: But let me ask you a question mm-hmm. Why is it an American's God given for <laughs> to own a gun?
0: You've been listening to a lot of gun podcasts this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see you've been swayed. My answer for that and this is a broadly agreed upon thing, it's not necessarily my personal belief. In America, we have, we have a distinct definition of freedom that is kind of different from the rest of the <laughs> world. We have a super permissive uh, speech rights So our First Amendment lets you say any hateful thing. Hate speech is protected in America, and it's not in other countries. And we have a Second Amendment, which, as currently interpreted by the courts, pretty much lets you own almost up to, but not overlapping with military and police hardware, for firearms. You can own all kinds of guns. And, you know, we suffer for these freedoms in the fact that there's like a mass shooting every couple days in America, uh, and that, you know, people get to say hate speech out loud. That is what our, the path our country has chosen. And we're not here to stand on a soapbox, here at Question Block, we're here to learn. So let's talk about where guns come from. Let's. And you studied a lot of the people behind the guns. Mm -hmm. So you're going to fill us in with a color commentary. Some of our listeners probably know that gunpowder was invented in China uh, and it's considered one of the the four ancient, great ancient Chinese inventions. Right up there with paper, printing, the compass. Gunpowder was invented during the ninth century.
1: Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be a medicine. In fact, its name in Chinese, which is hua hua yao means fire medicine that's what it's called today like
0: i guess that makes sense they would have to come up with the powder before making the gun
1: well i mean maybe maybe they had the gun and they were like there's a, there's something lacking
0: <laughs> they're like we've made this thing but it won't shoot what do we do
1: <laughs> shooting blanks there were alchemists that were trying to create the elixir of life so they would they would balance your your chi out if you didn't have enough fire in you they'd be like take this
0: This classic gunpowder is known as black powder because modern guns use what's called smokeless powder. Gunpowder is the earliest known chemical explosive. It's a mix of sulfur, carbon, generally in the form of charcoal, and potassium nitrate, which which is also (laughs) known as saltpeter. Or poop. (laughs) The sulfur and carbon act as fuels, while the saltpeter is an oxidizer, and you just add a spark, and it's an explosive mixture. This episode, we're just talking about firearms, which, as the name implies, they use fire. So yeah, how do you get saltpeter? Saltpeter.
1: From, you get it from poop.
0: Potassium nitrate comes from, from crystallized poop. You can find uh, potassium nitrate in the wild on the walls of caves because the bat guano, uh, over time, as water evaporates out of the bat guano, it pulls the potassium nitrate to the surface of it. And these days, like chemists can produce it from nitric acid. They don't have to do the whole poop gathering thing. But classically, uh, throughout the Enlightenment era, uh, they had <laughs> nitreries. Can you imagine working at one of these places, the nitrary?
1: Yeah, it's like a terrarium for poop.
0: Yeah, you would bury uh, human or animal excrement in a field. You would spread it out in these big trenches and bury it, and then you'd have to water it like once a week. <laughs> and it's called the leaching process. The water, you water it, the water soaks into the ground, and then as it evaporates back out of the ground, it brings some uh, potassium nitrate with it. Which collects his crystals on the ground, and then you pick that up, uh, dissolve it again, and boil it down to purify it a bit, and then you're left with potassium nitrate. Yeah. Oh, that process of coming out of the ground is called efflorescence. Just so you know, there's your chemistry term. Yeah. Crucial component of every like you know war fought since you know the introduction of firearms. So since like 1300 AD, is that uh, poop was driving it. Uh, I'm gonna give you a little side note on, uh, yeah, on the the production of saltpeter. So during the American Civil War, uh, <clears throat> it turned out that I guess a lot of the potassium nitrate was was being produced in America by the, in like Union states before the war. It
1: checks out. So the, they had all the, <laughs> <laughs> Uh
0: You can also use urine too. Urine's also a good component. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, anyway, the con- the Confederate side ran out of saltpeter. So they were like running out of gunpowder. So they set up a special, like, for the Confederate, like, government. They set up a Bureau of Niter and Mining to encourage <laughs> local production. Yeah, where, where is it? The government advertised in the Charleston, yeah, in, in November 1862, <laughs> the government advertised in the Charleston Daily Courier. Uh, <laughs> To find uh, able bodied Negro men to work in the niter beds at Ashley Ferry, South Carolina. So this is like a firsthand source. Yeah, the <laughs> in the National Archives they found payroll records of people working in nitro nitri- niteries, niteries. The South was so desperate for saltpeter for gunpowder that one <laughs> Alabama official reportedly placed a newspaper ad asking that the contents of chamber pots be saved for collection.
1: Yep. Kinky, but okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bring out bring out your shit. Okay. So back to the firearms, the gunpowder's around, and then...
1: Gunpowder's around, and when do the Chinese, like, realize that they can...
0: Somebody figures out, they're like, wait, if I make a a bamboo tube and stop one end, put gunpowder in the back of it, and then some stuff I want to shoot out of it and light it on fire, it will shoot the stuff.
1: Confetti! That was the first, because they had paper, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, putting paper with your gunpowder. Well, they put them on the... Because the whole thing would get really hot and often just catch fire or explode, the first guns quote-unquote were the fire lance which was they would put it on the end of a spear like on the end of a lance and then you could light that on fire with like a long fuse while in battle and just like burn people at a distance uh so the fire the fire lance appeared in china between the 10th and 12th centuries uh and then over the next couple hundred years by the 1300s it evolved to like the modern conception of a gun where there's a projectile that you put into it they replaced the bamboo. Casing was something made out of metal that could stand up to having gunpowder set off in it, and that could actually shoot projectiles. And then, uh, distribution along like the Silk Road and trade with the Middle East, uh, guns made their way to Europe and they start showing up in like medieval warfare in like the 1400s. The origin of the English word gun because mm-hmm. you know it's a relatively new word since this is like a technology that was, was invented sort of semi recently, so, yeah, they think it. it uh, originally, there was a weapon that was called the Domina Gunilda, which was a giant uh, ballista. So not actually a firearm; it was like a, a catapult that was at a castle at Windsor Castle during the 14th century. And that that name, the Domina Gunilda, came from an old an old Norse woman's proper name is Gunhildr.
1: Oh, in the like in the Ring Cycle.
0: Yeah, and Gunnhildr means war sword. Whoa. It was often shorted, shortened to gunna. So it's the Norse war, word for war sword uh is where yeah, gun comes from. Uh there are other names for guns, so the Italian <laughs> word is sciopi, sciopi, which means thunderers. And do which is a Dutch in Dutch, oh, it is Blunderbuss. Yeah, yeah, which became Blunderbuss. Great, is, great
1: album by the which, or song by the White Stripes.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, that translates as Thunderstick. It's funny because these come from like, those are like literal terms for the, like, as translated for a gun, but it now is cool slang to be like, let's, like, a boomstick is not what is that, like, Walking Dead or something. No, uh, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. The main character talks about his boomstick for his shotgun. But it's like, that actually is where the word came from. Also, they they use the term hand cannon.
1: Whoa. So I'm looking at a picture of like the earliest depiction of a gun. Yeah. And it looks really crazy.
0: That's a wild looking gun.
1: It's a sculpture from a cave in Sichuan, China. Well, the oldest surviving gun made of bronze is also discovered in China. And it's, it looks like a gun with like what do you call the and the barrels or whatever. It has like four barrels.
0: Yeah, it's like a a spread. It looks like something from a video game. It's ridiculous. Like a hand, yeah. yeah. So the the classic gun, I guess, reached Europe uh, in the 1480s, and then remarkably, guns didn't evolve that much from that point for the next like 250 years. It's called, <clears throat> uh, in like the literature, it's called the classic gun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, so there's a yeah a gun known as it's called the arquebus, a r q u e bus or arquebus, uh, and it's it is described as a hand cannon, uh, with like a hook underneath for stabilizing it, and usually used like mounted to the walls of a castle, to shoot at people. And heavier variants of those were known as muskets. And so the musket. Oh, musketeer,
1: could... right? The three musketeers. Is
0: Indeed. That... So, yeah, muskets were the original kind of, like, heavy, like, handheld long guns that were developed. And when you, yeah, the three musketeers were actually in a regiment that fired muskets, which is funny because they're sword fighting throughout the novel and the movie. Uh, but they're actually, like, you know, infantry that were carrying around guns. Oh, yeah, the musket, so the musket could penetrate heavy armor. So as a result, people basically in the late 1400s stopped wearing heavy armor into battle. Uh, so you don't find it as much after that. Uh, and then because no one was wearing heavy armor, they didn't need the heavy musket anymore. So kind of ironic that the two both like phased out. Um, but the term musket was like kept around. Um, and so that that like was the name for a long gun or became a synonymous name for a long gun until the 1800s. Okay, so the the bus, like prior to 1470, the way you fired it is actually like you held it in front of your chest like with two hands almost basically. It's like re- like can't be accurate at all uh and then they kind of they they figured out they should add a shoulder stock so you could fire from your shoulder so and you could actually look down the gun
1: you had to use match lock firing system right so you had to light you had to light a match and then put it into the gun.
0: it was a double-sided i don't know if it was an actual match but it was like a wick yeah that was lit <clears throat> and when you were ready to fire when you like pulled the trigger, it would like lower the burning wick into the pan, which was filled with gunpowder.
1: <laughs> so safe.
0: Yeah. And so there would there would be a big puff of smoke when that happened. And then the gun would fire a few seconds later. Like it took a second for the gunpowder to catch and then it would fire. So you kind of had to wait. You sort of like lit the fuse, pulled the trigger, waited a second, and then hopefully the bullet shot out. And these weren't rifles. They were smooth bore. Like most of the like metal work wasn't very accurate or good at that time, so the bullet would kind of rattle around as it came out of the gun, it's terrifying, and could go off at like any like sort of angle really. So, so very like not not very accurate.
1: It doesn't doesn't work in the rain, which is like if you're in Europe, that that really sucks for you. <laughs> it's probably raining all the time.
0: Yeah. So, but prior like prior to the the matchlock, uh, you would use. When you were holding the gun in front of you, it actually took two hands to even fire the thing. There wasn't a trigger. You had to touch the pan with an actual, like, hot poker or something to get it to light on fire. But yeah, pretty difficult. You had to carry around, like, a burning wick, or you needed, like, the fuse boy who was, like, walking around to, like, light, <laughs> the fuse your, boy. light your fuse. Uh, so yeah, uh, you can imagine the next development is the flint lock, which is using a flint striking ignition mechanism, like a lighter. Like a modern cigarette lighter, where you like spin the thing, or flint. You can use a hammer, which like smash smashes the flint into some metal, generates a spark, and that catches your gunpowder on fire. So flintlock is kind of the classic. Uh, I don't know when you see like the the pilgrims running around or whatever g- going turkey hunting, <laughs> they're using a a flintlock mechanism.
1: What was wrong with those? What?
0: I mean, the flintlock. It was nice that it was. Uh, it still wasn't weatherproof because if it was raining, like you're gunpowder wouldn't necessarily catch fire. Like, if it got wet, it would be bad. Um, so, like, yeah, they they wanted ideally something better where you could contain the gunpowder inside of something. Um, by the way, the high point of the mechanical development of the flintlock pistol was the English dueling pistol.
1: Oh, sweet. The English
0: dueling pistol, they were, like, very fancy pistols. They would have, like, engravings. Uh, and look look very nice. Was, I'm trying to think of like a modern like fancy furniture company or something.
1: I mean that's probably just like a beretta. You can the, go oh, to a yeah. beretta store and get one. get a golden gun.
0: Yeah. The the English dueling pistol, it was designed in such a way that it I guess was pretty water resistant and it was accurate.
1: For Just one shot, right? I mean that's all you yeah. It only
0: needs one shot. Yeah, it's not not a repeating uh pistol. Um, so they were, they were like pretty large. They were 16 inches long. Um, and they were sold in pairs, which is really, of course, right?
1: That's so cute. I
0: think it's cute that you're, you would provide your own pair of dueling pistols for your duel. It wasn't expected that everybody bring, it wasn't BYOP.
1: Well, you get to keep it if you win, you know? Oh, yes.
0: I guess, I guess if you win, you just go get the other guy's pistol.
1: I'll save this for the next duel. Thank you very much. That's true. That's what? That's why it's called a dual, because you get two.
0: You get dual pistols. Yeah, and it came with accessories as well and a wooden case with compartments for it. So it's like you get a whole little system. <laughs> you get, you a get a unit. A <laughs> pistol unit, yeah. So, th- yeah, this is like, now we're up to like the 1800s, right? And uh, this is when Joshua Shaw invents percussion caps, which replaced the flintlock trigger system. And if you've ever played with, have you ever played with a cap gun?
1: No, I had a BB gun. I guess I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't. Oh. Say I wouldn't say I played with it. You should never play with guns.
0: Cap guns don't shoot anything. They just have a little uh, hammer that hits a little cap, like that has some like tiny bit of explosive in it, and they make like a loud popping sound. That's pretty much what a percussion cap is. It's the same idea. Um, so now you you would contain the, a little cap would contain the gunpowder gun or something to ignite the gunpowder, rather. Uh, so you would strike the cap. So now that your gun can shoot in any weather condition. And I have Casimir Lefeuchot invented the, pra- the first practical breech-loading firearm, which is breech-loading is when you, like, open the stock of it, the back of it, and put your bullets in or whatever to load it instead of having to load through the front of the gun.
1: So there's I'll a lot of backwards. when you see
0: uh, Hamilton, <laughs> and they're in the Revolutionary War, they have to load their gun from the end of the barrel. So you put in, you pour in some like powder from a little pouch. You you <clears> have <throat> to put like a little wad of cotton in that's gonna like catch, and then you stick the bullet down. You're using like a rod to do it, and even if you're very fast, it takes like 20 or 30 seconds to load your gun, and then you can fire. So breech loading is much easier because. You just crack open the back of the gun and put all your stuff in right there, um however, all the guns up until this time are like pretty crappy and routinely jam and don't fire. and part of the reason is because this like black powder or the like Chinese gunpowder formula uh, when it burns, it's still like there's a lot of like waste product and like soot that it generates. So the gun quickly like gets like the barrel of it and the firing mechanism, everything gets like this soot all over it. Which quickly jams it up. So you have to like constantly be cleaning your your weapon and during a battle, like you only get like a couple shots before the gun gets like fouled or like too dirty to really work.
1: My gun is fouled.
0: And it meant the battlefield smelled terrible because there's like sulfur smoke over everything. This stuff really takes off as we get towards the civil war. We've got a, a few more innovations. Okay. So we've got rifling, which we talked about at the beginning which is adding spiral grooves inside a gun barrel, which makes the ballistics much better. The flight of the bullet is much more accurate. People like thought this would work, but nobody could develop a bullet that would work with rifling. Uh, and then this guy, Minier, Claude Etienne Minier.
1: Oh, I know him. He,
0: he invented the Minier ball, the first projectile that could easily slide down a rifled barrel. Uh, and it made rifles a viable military firearm ending the smoothbore musket era
1: also do we skip over bayonets
0: we, yeah when did bayonets get added to the guns really I, as soon as you got a long gun probably they were like we should also make put the a end, knife on the end of it let's make the end it, sharp
1: this will come in later when we talk about glock which comes way later that's why i want to mention the bayonet
0: they put bayonets on the end of Glocks. too.
1: That was the first Glock actually was the Glock knife. Well, I- I'll talk about it later. He doesn't come up till later, uh-huh. so. Sh- sh-
0: sh- okay. Teaser. Yeah, bayonets, I think in general makes sense. You're like, we might as well make it a spear as well. We can double it up as it can be a stabby and a shooty. Cause their guns the were time. so
1: bad. They were
0: like. Particularly if you're a musketeer and you're gonna get two or three shots off and like you're incredibly slow, it takes like a minute or two to load your your gun. Uh you'll get like, if the enemy's charging at you, you get one shot and then it's, you know, you're either just stuck there or hopefully you have a bayonet up at the end of your gun. And so you can at least do some stabbing. Uh, okay, so so we're at 1849, the Civil War kicks off in 1865. Uh, I guess it is a sort of neat technical thing about the Minier ball is that it actually, the way it works is the bullet actually flattens a bit as it gets fired
1: what is it made out of clay what's going on lead
0: most bullets are made out of lead okay
1: oh we didn't say that
0: well we are now no i mean like like shotgun pellets are made out of steel for example most bullets are made out of lead because it's heavy or nowadays they're made out of something else uh because lead is very soft so some mix or maybe it's like a steel casing around a lead like center to make it heavy okay, so and hard. so his bullet flattens so out. So his bullet would flatten. So the bullet was very tiny, so it was easy to get down the barrel to load the rifle. And then it got fatter. As it got fired, it flattened a little and got fatter, so it f- expanded a little bit to fill the bore of the gun, which made it work. I don't know, clever little innovation. I am a nerd. Now we're about to get to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. In 1860, Benjamin Tyler Henry creates the Henry rifle, the first reliable repeating rifle. So what does repeating mean in this case?
1: You don't have to reload it every shot, right?
0: Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a rifle that you can you can get uh multiple shots into it without having to reload. Um and it's just in time for the Civil War, uh which is yeah it's it's one of the first like i guess major clashes of two armies that all are using pretty accurate firearms and that have snipers and so like the confederates in particular uh as we talked about there right they ran out of like saltpeter and generally had kind of inferior technology, but the confederates did have a bunch of snipers um uh, <clears throat> so the, the confederate snipers were yeah the the union hated them uh and they killed. I think it was some general was killed from like very far away, like a half mile away or something. So even back then, the guns were pretty accurate.
1: When Winchester died, his widow went crazy cause she was like, oh no, these guns killed so many people. And then she's like the house, she thought her house was haunted by the people that the Winchester rif- rifles had killed. So she decided to devote the rest of her life to like pleasing these ghosts. <laughs>
0: And the ghost just told her to add stuff to her house, I guess? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, she all it was half like she was listening to them and half she was trying to like deceive them. So she would put staircases that like went into nowhere and everything was like 13 and just crazy, crazy like rooms that didn't make sense.
0: Yeah, that'll confuse some ghosts.
1: Weird, weird little staircases.
0: Yeah. Can you, I think. You can go visit it. Go visit the Winchester Mm -hmm. house. Nice. Um, yeah, so the the Civil War, you know, it it ends um, with with the North winning. Cannons are also a big part of the Civil War. Wait, when is this? So we're like eighteen uh, seventies now.
1: Okay, can I talk about Colt? Because I have to tell you about him when he was like a little bit younger. Yeah. When he was fifteen, he was working on a te- his father's like textile plant but he had access to like all these tools and chemicals and things like that. So he built a fuel cell and then he, he advertised a <laughs> uh, 4th of July, like a spectacular and he exploded this raft on, he just like exploded this raft using underwater explosive, nice. explosive explosives. And there's this like crazy, there was a crazy like explosion. So then his, Father sent him to boarding school, and then he was still into like fire and pyrotechnics. So they kind of kicked him out of boarding school. So he he became a sailor. People think that he was inspired to make revolvers by the ship the ship's like wheel because he was like ooh, but the more likely story is that he just traveled to India and they had they had something they, they already had there. Revolvers. Yeah, they had the collier guns in India. So he probably saw that. And then he also wanted to invent like the cocking of the hammer of the gun to also be used to rotate and lock the gun.
0: Yep. Right. So classic, classic uh in westerns and a lot of classic <laughs> westerns, you see the character the like good, the bad, pull the hammer ugly. back and they cock it and that's when like the barrel rotates to put the next part. And it makes
1: up. the sound is like it's like I don't know, I can't make this sound. It's like, yeah.
0: And blink, blink, blink. yeah, revolvers very famously used in Russian roulette.
1: So here's also why I feel like he's a lot like you, because his not this part, like his dad, you know, he came back, he was like, Dad, I want to make a gun. And his dad was like, Okay. Um So his dad financed the production of two guns, a rifle and a pistol. The pistol exploded when it was fired the rifle performed well but his dad was like I can't I can't give you any more money about this so Samuel was like I will patent it myself he he had experience with laughing gas so he toured around the country doing these like laughing gas demonstrations and he called himself the celebrated doctor cult of New York London and
0: Calcutta nice he had been to the, all those places
1: yeah so he he made all these like lectures. He was basically like a snake oil demonstration
0: salesman. This this by the way, just to for the time period to be clear, I got up to about the Civil War with this is, with military weapons and long guns This like is eighteen thirty-two. Now we're jumping back a little bit because Colt is really the like beginning of handguns. And what are termed they are called defensive weapons generally, and these are like civilian uh owned guns. Because generally armed forces don't don't use handguns. They use more accurate rifles because they have all the gear and everything for war. So we're going to talk now kind of in parallel about the evolution of handguns and firearms for personal defense. So Colt is the the father, I suppose, of the the modern handgun.
1: Mm-hmm. He made a bunch of money doing this like medical, tourism show sideshow stuff. And then he was able to patent.
0: <laughs> yeah, he had to get had to get like startup funding by doing some uh some patent medicine shows. So he got he got funding and patented the Colt Patterson in 1836.
1: Yes, he did.
0: The first practical mass-produced revolver. Prior to this handguns were really more like a ceremonial sword. They were like if you were like a general or something, you could carry it around, but they were they were like quite expensive and other than maybe the British the English dueling pistol. Uh, didn't have a ton of, like, practical utility. And Colt changed that. So he produces this revolver that could fire five shots uh, in rapid succession. <clears throat> and it became a popular defensive weapon, giving rise to the saying, God created men, but Colt made them equal. Uh, so today, in most of the world, handguns are generally used by police and military officers as they're known as sidearms. So you carry it on your side. But it is not generally used by, like, infantry or, like, you know, soldiers in a battle.
1: The peacemaker.
0: The peacemaker is the uh, the single action army (SAA) uh, or the Colt forty five, also known as the gun that won the West.
1: Oh, okay. So he actually didn't in his company patented that gun, but he did not invent that gun.
0: Yeah, because we was he even alive in, by eighteen seventy three. Eighteen thirty six was his first patent. So this is like forty years later. <laughs> Did he die of natural causes or by getting shot? He died in
1: 1862 oh, in yeah. Hartford, Connecticut.
0: So he never lived <clears throat> to see the Colt 45 get produced.
1: Hartford, Connecticut used to be classy, I guess. Now there's a lot of guns there. <laughs> still, are
0: still still classy. Uh, so Colt 45s are. Uh, it was very popular with ranchers, lawmen, and outlaws. Well, th- it col- shows up in all these western movies.
1: Colt 45. 45- is we're talking about Browning who invented it who's oh. the most influential like gun ma- person uh, So Browning
0: worked for Colt
1: Well he pa- he got it patented by Colt but we're skipping over Gatling so I feel like we should talk about Gatling and then go go to Browning Gatling Gatling the Gatling gun was in 1861 So it's a gun that fired a lot of small bullets instead of like a big bullet, and it was it was just to, like, improve your cover on the battlefield. And Gatling yeah. wanted to... A lot of people say that he's a pacifist, but really he just was like, I hate war, and I wish there were, like, less people in the war. Or I wish they could, like, finish sooner. So he wanted to invent a gun that just, like, prevented... Like, that got people in and out. And so this gun, the Gatling gun, you would just, like, shoot, and it would it would just fill the air with lead so that you could run away.
0: Well, and you have to take cover. When someone's shooting a Gatling gun, it's not necessarily accurate, but it could shoot 200 gunpowder cartridges in a minute. And the the Union used the Gatling gun.
1: And so did Predator. So they used it in Predator. That's a, that's a
0: Gatling gun. I think the term Gatling gun just came to be used for any gun that had, like, sort of multiple barrels that rotate, which is in Predator. Mm-hmm. Well, um, there you go. And fed by, like, the classic, like, belt of, like, ammunition. Yeah, Gatling was, I guess, first, the first, like, sort of, like, field-capable gun that you would, like, roll into position. And it's, like, a, a a big gun. It was made to be, like, pulled by, like, a horse-drawn carriage or whatever. Um, and then that was followed up by the Maxim gun, which was invented by Hiram Maxim in 1884. So the Maxim gun is the first single-barreled machine gun. The Gatling gun has multiple barrels that rotate into position and fire one after another.
1: That's pretty cool. The techn- the technology.
0: Yeah. So the thing that, by the way, that made the the Gatling gun possible is the invention of what's known as smokeless powder. The smokeless powder is invented in 1880, and it it like pretty quickly replaced gunpowder, which became known as black powder after that. So smokeless powder, it's not entirely smokeless, but uh, it's a different chemical formulation than gunpowder. So gunpowder, I think it's 55% of the mass is left after the ignition, so you have all this crap that like clogs up your gun. Smokeless powder, for the most part, like the majority of it, uh, turns into a gas. Once it like ignites, it all like burns off, uh, and it really doesn't leave too much stuff behind. So That's crucial, because if you're going to have a gun that's firing you know hundreds of rounds per minute, uh, you can't have it like letting off like soot that like clogs up your gun. And this is around the time also when they invent the concept of a cartridge. Uh, and so now we'll we'll go back to some some nerd terms real quick, right? A bullet is the the heavy piece of metal that flies through the air. A cartridge nowadays is what you buy
1: for your printer
0: or for your gun. Uh, the cartridge has gunpowder in it. Instead of putting in the gunpowder separately like it used to, the cartridge is a full little unit, a metal unit, that has a bullet and gunpowder in a casing. And so you just have to hit the cartridge with a hammer hard enough that the gunpowder in the cartridge ignites. That shoots the bullet out of the gun, and then the gun is designed to eject what's known as the shell, the spent, empty part of the cartridge. So that's why when you, what is that, in The Matrix, there's like that classic scene where they're shooting a Gatling gun from the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And there's a very cool camera angle shot under the helicopter of shell casings just like raining from the sky. So now you know. Now you know why Rain it looks guns! like that. <laughs> um, you want
1: to know about Browning in 1855? Yeah, tell me or about when Browning. That's he
0: was born, I guess. I will tell you about the gun that killed Lincoln since we were around the Civil War. It was the Derringer. So the Derringer is a... It's like the tiniest, sneakiest little handgun. Derringers are generally single shot. They're muzzle-loading, and they use a percussion cap invented by Henry Derringer. By the way, it's kind of, I don't know if it's neat or not, but every gun is just named after the person who invented the gun. There aren't too many other technologies like that. Anyway, uh, Derringer invented- Pole dancing moves? Oh, there you go, like the Aisha. So Derringer is a pocket pistol. And that is what was used by John Wilkes Booth to assassinate Abraham Lincoln, with so a single shot. So the the term was Derringer is it a dueling pistol? No, because it's not accurate either. It's it's like if you see a picture of it, it's super tiny. It's um, the noisy. It's, it it's just the, looks like a tiny little banana almost. It's the noisy like The size cricket. of a banana. <laughs> yeah, the noisy cricket.
1: The not noisy cricket with the silencer.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, Derringer's become a genericized uh misspelling of. T- so Derringer with two R's now just refers to any tiny gun, uh, and it's like a misspelling of Henry Derringer's name, which I'm sure he loves. Um, so it was it was like copied around the world. Uh, modern Derringers are multi-barreled. I think typically two barrels, and so maybe it'll have two triggers or something. Um, and is frequently used by women because it's easily concealable in a purse or a stocking.
1: Oh, that's cute.
0: Yeah. So cute, they got cute little gun. Yeah. So that's 1825. Uh, this little pocket pistol is invented.
1: Oh my God! So Browning made, he made or patented so many guns. Like, there's a list. Like, things that he patented. like oh, all it's for wow. wild
0: rifles and handguns alike.
1: Yeah, he also was a polygamist because he was a he was a member of the Church of Latter Day Saints. He oh, was like nice. A
0: Mormon. Great. Cool. Yeah. Dude.
1: He was very cool. He made the semi-automatic shotgun and the like or the first the first ones like Winchester and Colt like bought his designs. Um he made this shotgun that was so lethal that Germans declared their use inhumane and would execute any soldiers that were caught carrying them. His legacy is the M1895 machine gun. Um, the bar saw action gun, those are like still the Browning, the M2 Browning machine gun are like special ops. And then of course the, the, it's the Colt M911, which is the Colt 45. So a lot of the guns are also named after the year that they were patented or, or the patent number. Yeah. And then the 40 is the 45, the bullets.
0: That's uh, the caliber
1: caliber. What does that mean? What's the caliber?
0: How good uh, it is? No caliber is the size of the the bullet. Okay. So a 45 is 0. .45 inches. So pretty, kind of big for a bullet. I mean, you can imagine it's like pretty wide. How um, big are most bullets? So 45 is is generally like the largest bullet you'll find in a handgun. Right, I mean, that's a fat bullet. And it has a huge, <laughs> It's it's got a big recoil. Because you can imagine the gun kicks back because of conservation of momentum. When you shoot a really large bullet that has a lot of mass leaving the gun, it kicks the gun back in your hand. There's videos that are, I don't know, probably more frustrating to watch than anything of people like shooting a gun, holding it in a like incorrectly, and it just like kicking out of their hand or smacking them in the face. <laughs> um, Stupid. So 45s have a a really strong kick. A 22, for example, we we're talking about the rifle, is .22 inches. It's a quarter of an inch. So that's a much smaller bullet than the 45, but a .22 is a, a rifle that's made for accuracy, for shooting at very long distances. And then we'll probably get to the 357 Magnum, which is .357 inches, is the caliber. And that is different from gauge. Gauge is generally used for describing shotgun shells. And it's, not, it's an even more technical definition, so probably not worth getting into. I um,
1: gauge gauge measure, measurements is never like what you want it to be. It's always like the bigger the gauge, the smaller. Like it's so <laughs> yeah, yeah, like wire like,
0: gauge is the opposite they're of what so it should be. so dumb.
1: Yeah, they're yeah. like what is, is it is it the inner gauge? Is it the circ- the diameter gauge? It's just like no. Can we can we agree?
0: Yeah. Shotgun gauge is the mass of the cartridge if it were a sphere, how big it would be. If- come on
1: come on most people who have guns they can't they don't understand
0: oh i did i did want to say just to to jump back a little bit when we talked about the cartridge the first uh mass produced gun that used a cartridge was produced by smith and wesson the smith and wesson model one perhaps you've heard of them Mm. Uh, so that was produced 1857 through 1882. so the first that was a revolver the first commercially successful revolver to use what are known as rim fire cartridges instead of loose powder, musket ball, and percussion caps.
1: Horace Smith, who is from Cheshire, Massachusetts, and Daniel Wesson, who is from Wor- Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> they entered the gun-making trade in their youth. How romantic. It
0: was their childhood dream. Yeah, they
1: were a little bit, I guess they were Colts' competition. So uh, Smith and Wesson... To they today they like automatics revolvers and they continue um that like that's their their main product and they also let's see they make like the 38 special a lot of like military and police revolvers mhm and uh they also made the bag the um the 44 which was Clint Eastwood's character, Dirty Harry.
0: Yeah, he has a forty-four Magnum. Oh, and he, sa- he says, uh, he foils a bank robbery, and he shoots one of the robbers, and then he has the other one cornered. And he goes, I know what you're thinking. Did he fire? And he, ha- he has one cornered, but he might be out of ammo. And he goes, I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track of myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world and would blow your head clean off, you have gotta ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you punk. And oh, it turns that's, out that he was out of bullets.
1: That's what in the movie Brick, that's what when he's fighting the the like potheads or whatever, that's where that that's like um I just realized that is a modified like speech of that.
0: He's definitely like channeling Dirty Harry in that yeah. scene. Yeah,
1: because he's like, "Are you?" Yeah, he's like, "Are you feeling?" He's like, "I, I have six senses. <laughs> like you only have five. I,
0: no, no. He goes, and Brick, it's even better. He, he goes, "I've got all five senses, and I had a good night's rest, which puts me six ahead of you, <laughs> yeah. losers." Almost all of these guns we've been talking about were developed by Americans,
1: and that's um, gonna change.
0: Danny specifically wanted me to talk about the Mosin Nagant, also known as the Three Line Rifle. M1891, and is known in the West as the Mosin-Nagant, which is actually not the correct name. So it was developed in Russia, uh, in the former Soviet Union, it was known as Mosin's Rifle. It's a five-shot, bolt-action, uh, internal magazine-fed military rifle, and they, are, they made like millions of them. They were all over the Soviet Union, ended up in all the former Soviet republics, and are still used um, in some like countries that don't have quite the uh, ammunition stockpile of the United States. They're still used today in some conflicts. Um, And there's like, yeah, what what I have, 37 million units were made since 1891. Um, (laughs) And so they developed it because there was a, back in the late 1800s, there was a Russo-Ottoman war. The Russians were armed with single-shot rifles, and the Turkish troops had Winchester repeating rifles, uh, and they, like, their Russians took heavy casualties because of it, because they, like, would take one shot and then have to kind of stand around uh, while the Turks had, were taking multiple shots. So the Russians had a sort of a competition. They got like th- they, they accepted like three different designs, and they like compared them all. And so Mosin and Nagant were two of the guys who submitted designs. And I think Nagant's design was like overly complicated, and like it was going to be too expensive. And Mosin's was like good enough, but like sort of cheap. Uh, and so what the committee did is they like then like sort of combined both designs to like take the best features of each. Um, what they they awarded most in like the, the award, but Nagant was like furious and he was like, you stole some of my like design. Uh, and to, I guess Nagant was like, had been developing other guns for them. So to make things right, the committee gave Nagant the same award money, like 200,000 rubles. The czar himself like stepped into the dispute and he was like, don't put either of their names on the gun. It's just called the three line rifle.
1: Ooh, burn.
0: Except then in the West, because of the dispute, everyone just called it the Mosin-Nagant, uh, and in the Soviet Union, they all called it Mosin's rifle. So it didn't really work, but they tried. They tried to make it work. So then the yeah that was solved. They had like a good gun to use. Um, they also like I guess didn't have uh, the smokeless powder recipe. It had only recently been invented and was maybe kind of secretive. Um, so the I guess through like semi-official channels, like working with France. France would g- gave them like a cartridge and a bullet, but they didn't give them the primer or the powder, and they're like, "We're not gonna, we're not gonna give that away." Like, um, and so Russian scientists then had to like reverse engineer how to make the smokeless powder. They're good like, at that. The though. modern gunpowder. <laughs> so I thought this was pretty fascinating. Do you know who developed the smokeless powder for the Russians in the late 1800s?
1: James Bond.
0: It was Mendeleev, Dmitri oh, wow. Mendeleev, oh, famous cute. chemist. Dmitri Mendeleev, who invented the periodic table, also developed like modern, yeah, smokeless gunpowder for the Russians. Is that so one? that was late 1800s. Okay. With the Mosin-Nagant, And we're trying to keep our timeline straight because there's guns coming at us yeah. hard and fast now. So
1: much. So, <laughs> we, should we talk about the Tommy gun?
0: Yeah, as we get into the 20th century, there's all kinds of guns going going around.
1: <laughs> or the Thompson, the Thompson submachine gun, or. It's also known as the Chicago typewriter, the Chicago piano, or the trench broom.
0: Yeah, so Al Capone famously right used Tommy guns like through a lot of gangsters
1: in prohibition. The
0: yes. so Tommy gun has a very distinctive big like disc, I guess the like the magazine is called the magazine the part that holds the cartridges comes as a big disc
1: because it's air cooled.
0: Yeah, and that thing spins around.
1: It's a blowback. Operated air-cooled, magazine-fed, selective-fire submachine gun, invented by the United States Army Brigadier General John T. Thompson, and it was they used it in trench uh, warfare in World War One.
0: Yeah, World War One also marks kind of the not rediscovery because they'd been around for hunting, but like the use of shotguns in like modern warfare. Um, they'd been around, but like the You know you remember our old friend the blunderbuss um the blunderbuss had like a flared end and you could just pack it with with like shot uh and gunpowder pull the trigger and it would just shoot whatever it was in a big wide pattern and then the shotgun does a very similar thing but shoots a cartridge of shot and a sawed off shotgun where you make the shotgun shorter has an even wider spread and it's much more maneuverable because it's not a long gun.
1: Why wouldn't you just make it shorter while you gotta saw it off? Why you gotta make it long and then saw it off?
0: True. The, a saw, sawing off the end of the barrel is a way to Gangster. shorten your it's own cheap. shotgun. <laughs> so since uh, the early 1900s, I think around Prohibition era, you're not allowed to sell a, a shotgun below a certain length. You have to file and like, get a special permit if you wanna shorten your shotgun. It's very hard to get. But if you have a saw, you can just do it yourself. And in part, that's because, yeah, the government doesn't want criminals making a concealed weapon out of a shotgun, which is like a very deadly gun. Uh, but it yeah. saw a lot of use in trench warfare because if you're going around in a trench, it's like great to be able to just kill anything in the trench that's in front of you if you're like invading a trench or if you're turning a corner in a trench to not have a long gun, but instead a short one, you just turn around and blast like whatever's there. And then just before Roller Run, uh, by the way, is the the first semi-automatic pistol is invented, which is mm. the Mauser. So the the Mauser is, it's a cute gun if you see it. Um, it's got a, a 10 round box magazine in front of the trigger. So it's like, it sits in the front. It's like very distinctive looking. If you see it, you like, that's a Mauser. The magazine's like pretty far up the gun. It's not way back at the end where you typically think of it being like behind the trigger, it's in front. Uh, it has a wooden shoulder stock. Um, and the grip on it is shaped like the handle of a broom. So it's, it has like sort of ridges, so it's called a broom handle. is like the, the nickname for that gun. And the Mauser first started this, uh, the way it is semi-automatic, and we'll take a little diversion in a second to explain semi-automatic versus fully automatic. Uh, or semi-automatic is also referred to as self-loading. So the idea is that it used the recoil energy of like shooting the bullet out to advance the next uh, round into the chamber. So you pull the trigger, the bullet fires, and the, the kickback basically gets the next bullet to load into the gun. So you still have to pull the trigger every time you shoot a bullet. And that is the definition of a semi-automatic. A semi-automatic means self-loading. The gun loads itself, but you have to pull the trigger every time you want to shoot, which like keeps you to... A reasonable rate of fire. It's how how quickly the gun can reload itself. And that's very different from an automatic, like a Gatling gun, uh, where as long as you have the trigger held down, the gun will just keep shooting bullets. Even in the United States, with our very permissible gun laws, civilians can't buy automatic weapons. Civilians can just buy semi-automatics. However, many people do modify their semi-automatic weapons to shoot fully automatic. Like my friend, who was going to Virginia Tech uh, I, when, I, when I was visiting and we went and shot his AR-15 at the firing range, you know, he was like, okay, now check this out. Just hold the trigger down, and it just emptied the magazine. But you're not supposed to do that. It is illegal. Mass shootings can certainly happen just with a semi-automatic weapon. Um, you don't need an automatic weapon necessarily. But we won't wade into that controversy. No, Yeah. never. And then uh, another similar gun developed around this time is the, it's called the Pistol Parabellum, which is known mm-hmm. as the Luger, which I think is a cool name. <laughs> uh, the Luger is also a recoil operated semi-automatic pistol. Um, it was one of the first semi-auto pistols to use a magazine housed in the grip, which is a modern gun If if you see action movies like John Wick I think he sometimes uses like a a Luger. He uses a bunch of different guns. One of his Luger, because you'll see him basically like press a button on the side of his gun and the magazine drops out of the handle and then he smacks another one in. Oh, yeah. That move is like, yeah, with a Luger, but I think most, almost all modern, semi-automatic handguns use the magazine contained in the handle of the gun. You already talked about the Colt 1911. Yes. And you talked about... The 357 magnum and the 44 magnum yes. so yeah go for it
1: because kalishnikov was basically the first like automatic rifles that were coming out we're gonna be here for a million years i mean are they ones that people will know yes can you give me like the highlights real quick yeah
0: the walther pp
1: okay a f- fun fact about it go
0: it's james bond's gun
1: Oh, uh, uh, wait, I'm going to give you a quiz at the end. How dare you? I'm going to give you a quiz to ask you what the guns of, of movies are.
0: All right. Well, the Walther PP is a German handgun oh, that James Bond uses. Ruining all my
1: surprises.
0: The United States military. What is this? Wait, when is this? What's that?
1: What year is this?
0: Oh, the, uh, the Walther PP? Yes. Uh, like Like 1929.
1: Okay. All right so the AK47 shoot your shot does not it does not stand for assault rifle or automatic it
0: or the noise that it makes
1: does it make that noise <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it's known as the avtomat Kalashnikova. Hmm. so
0: who was Kalashnikov?
1: he was the son of a trash can manufacturer he was very poor, but he didn't know how poor he was because his parents loved him. He wanted to become a poet, but instead he went to war and he was shot at by the moth boat, a Chinese gun insect boat.
0: When was this? Um, this, this, I guess j- it was- I mean, if it's Kalashnikov, I'm guessing it's around like World War II. Yeah, around, well,
1: 47 Oh okay. that's like oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, derr. Uh, so you had mean, me question, I was like, wait a second.
0: End of World War Two then. He was a little too late. So he
1: lay recovering in a hospital bed and he he was like, I will seek revenge. But he was talking to other injured people and they were like, Yeah, it's crazy like the automaticness of like the other the weapons that were used upon us and he was like, I must because the the Chinese so there was a series of Chinese insect boats so there's like the moth the lotus the mantis and they were these gunboats that had the effect of automatic weapons because the shooting would never stop oh so he wanted to make a gun that would fight off people that that rivaled
0: I'm trying to think when this was, I mean it must have been world war 2 if he developed it, 47.
1: it in 47 yeah so he made these guns and they're very they're very very inexpensive to make and very easy to use because he was like if they're complicated there's going to be human error in making them and also he knew that on in assembly line like in in russia because it's like communist assembly line people got paid pretty well but he was like i don't I don't want there to be, like, human error on it. So he made it very simple to make.
0: Well, this was, yeah, this was the Communist Soviet Union Mm -hmm. when he developed it. Yeah. So it is the most popular popular gun design, the most popular firearm worldwide, without question, is the AK-47. Yes. So the current estimate is that there's about 500 million firearms in the world. One hundred million of them are variants of a Kalashnikov.
1: So, what what like percentage is that?
0: Twenty percent.
1: That's wild. And no one in America owns one, right?
0: They're probably they're much they're <laughs> was, rare in America. That's like a, what? Well, they're they're rare in America because the American equivalent would be the AR fifteen.
1: Yeah, I think it's because they're not allowed, right, to, for civilians to own. But people will, like buy them from China and make. It, or am I wrong? Is that wrong?
0: Oh, well, maybe they probably are all. I don't think you're allowed like, to own automatic. an automatic.
1: What? Web- I think that's illegal maybe in America. Maybe make one
0: a version for civilians. I don't know. That's but you can make you
1: can make yours automatic yeah. though. And t- trust, there's many you YouTube- <laughs> people are like here. Look at my lawn. It's filled with my homemade <laughs> yeah. AK-47s. I can't believe that like they will sometimes question our video for like using a Lady Gaga song, but they- <laughs> they're not like watching these. I don't know who they is too, but like. They're not, you know, there's videos of like, people's gun tours, and they're like, here's my address. Um, It's moderated by guns.
0: By robots, so (laughs) it's easy for a robot to tell you're playing a Lady Gaga song. It's hard for a robot to know that your guns are are ghost guns. Um, I did wanna say another uh, unique fact that I read about the AK-47 is they're remarkably resistant to sand. And they age very well. They don't really rust, or like if they do rust, they can still like work. Um, which is why, during like the whole like, you know, Iraq insurgency, and war in Afghanistan, and like the whole ISIS, like you remember the late two thousands, two thousand tens, yeah, uh, all of the like ISIS and the fighters in Syria and Al Qaeda, they all had Kalashnikovs. That's kind of the go-to gun. That and the Matador pickup.
1: Oh, that sounds cool. I
0: like. So yeah, this is a Toyota pickup that's like beloved by terrorists the world over. Anyway, uh, yeah, the like I said, the American like equivalent of the Kalashnikov is the Colt AR-15.
1: So it's a semi-automatic magazine-fed rifle. So Eugene Stoner designed it, and George Su- Sullivan of the Armalite. Company like got it made, and that's why it is called the a r because of armalite, not
0: oh, yeah, it doesn't stand for automatic rifle, nope, it doesn't stand for assault rifle,
1: nope, armalite, the armalite factory hmm. yes, okay, now did you want to talk about Glock just like way later,
0: oh, I'll tell you what it is, so the the Glock is a uh the Glock 17 is 17 plus one round because you got one in the chamber and 17 in the magazine. Uh, it's a nine millimeter. So now we're nine millimeters. That's a tiny little bullet. Um, and it is a polymer framed, mm-hmm. short recoil it's operated semi automatic pistol designed and produced by
1: Gestal Glock,
0: Glock, which is located in Austria. And the Austrian military and police, like, chose to use it. They had a, an exhaustive competition, a series of reliability and safety tests oh, in their 1982. Company,
1: their company B doing some sneaky, sneaky shit.
0: Oh, I guess we'll hear about <laughs> their it. Their
1: company B concealed carrying. No, I just, like, dipped my toe into it, and they are like, their company's accounting is complicated because they use a lot of shell companies. And then I quickly was like, oh... They're like Enron, but for guns. <laughs> Yikes.
0: Maybe to avoid liability lawsuits. Who knows?
1: Yikes. Okay, so some interesting things about Gaston Glock. Best name ever. Do you know that he was in the curtain rod business until he was like 50 years old?
0: And then he was just like, I'm going to go make a plastic handgun?
1: Well, because he was, he had a lot of like different ventures and he would... Um, he was a, re- a resin crafter. He loved polymers. He liked making sheaths for field knives. I guess that's that's really why he was into polymers. And there was this uh a, there was a competition announced in 76. The Aus- the Austrian army had a competition to improve on the bayonet. See, I told you this would come. Mm. This would come back. So he he was like, what about the Glock? He called it the Glock knife, I think. And I think he won that contest. He he was like designing this other like patent because they, they also wanted to make just like another better gun. And he wanted to try, he wanted to like try to do it. Um, I think he bought like some stocks or something in the, Aust- somehow he got into like the Austrian army offices and he like overheard people talking. They were like, oh, our guns like suck. And he was like, can I design this gun for you, and they were like, "No, and then he got I said
0: no, even after he won the band yeah. competition
1: and then he got right. a list of all the qualifications that they were looking for, and he it, there's so many the one that I remember off the top of my head it could have no more than like fifty seven pieces to put together, and he he made Exactly, 57. No, no, 37. He's, oh, okay. He was like, I'll do you better than that. Oh, nice. Yes. His, the first pistol took one year to produce. And he applied for the Austrian patent in 1981. Nice. There you go. Oh, uh, and the reason why it is called, what is it? The Glock?
0: The Glock 17. Glock
1: 17 is the famous one?
0: Yeah, that's well, a very popular one. The,
1: so uh, it's just named after, like, the patent. I think the, the Glock 9, though, is, like, the famous one. Oh, okay. The first famous one. Got it. And that is just because n- it was like his ninth patent. There was also a murder, a murder attempt. So he suspected that one of his close, his closest financial advisors had been embezzling funds, and he confronted Everett, this guy, this financial advisor. His name was Everett. Yeah, Everett. Everett, get over here. Get over here. Did Everett. he hold
0: him at gunpoint?
1: Uh, well, Everett hired a French mercenary to murder Glock with. <laughs> With a rubber mallet in the car park. Whoa. And then Glock was able to fight back. And Everett and the assassin were sent to prison.
0: All right. He defended himself from a mallet attack.
1: Yeah. And I he's still alive.
0: I mean, Austria and Germany both have, like, very strict uh, civilian gun laws. So he probably wasn't allowed to carry around his own product. Yeah.
1: Oh, there's also a, I don't know, it's like a... they were like stop rappers using the w- using our guns <laughs> cuz they were they didn't want uh, Glock to be just a euphemism for any handgun and a bunch of rappers said okay and then they did not
0: comply. It's like champagne. Kleenex or Moet. Yeah, I have, despite initial resistance from the market uh, to accept a perceived plastic gun because it's got a polymer Oh, uh, frame, yes. People felt it was plastic and there were fears that it would it would let people circumvent metal detectors.
1: Because you know why that is though.
0: Because it doesn't have a lot of metal in it, it's made of plastic. Anyway, it's obviously not true though, because if you have the magazine or any of the bullets, they're like have like, you know, lead and like, you know, some like steel alloy or whatever to make the bullets. That's gonna set off the metal detector. And the internals of the gun are made of metal. The entire thing isn't plastic. It's just like the the kind of exterior frame is made of plastic, but it makes it lightweight, which is important in a handgun. So the is Ariel is saying you're saying the like popularity uh, of the gun led it to like everybody calling everything a glock, which is true. Uh, glock pistols are the it's the company's most profitable product. They command 65% si- of the market share for handguns in United States law enforcement agencies. They supply numerous national armed forces, security agencies and police forces in 48 countries. And they're very Ooh. popular among civilians. So oh. two thirds of uh, US law enforcement agencies use Glocks. The latest now, we this brings us pretty much to like the modern day um, where we've talked about all the handguns that are out there. Um, and yeah, Glocks being the most popular, so I guess civilian handgun as well as like police department handgun in the US. Uh, What does the military currently use? They use the Colt M4 carbine. So carbine uh, is the term for a gun uh, with a... It's not sawed off, I guess, but a carbine is if you have an intentionally short barrel on your gun. (laughs) Um, And often they have a folding shoulder stock. So if you ever see... Like, that's what SWAT teams use. It's what's now used in the military. If you ever see like U.S. military, they have guns where the shoulder stock folds out, and it makes the gun more compact, and you can carry it on your back uh, easier. So that was developed in the U.S. during the 1980s, uh, and it's a shortened version of the M16 A2 assault rifle. So if you're M16, that's the long version. The M4 is a short version. It's used extensively by the U.S. armed forces, and it replaced the M16 starting in 2010 the u.s marine corps has used it since 2016 and it's kind of like the go-to weapon it's adopted by over 60 countries worldwide and uh it's like nato approved i guess so everyone in the nato alliance so like all of western europe um so like the guns we're currently shipping to ukraine for example Mm. i'm sure a huge number of those are, are m4s um Yeah, so carbines are kind of the go-to. They manage to be, like, both very accurate. But, like, you can give them to infantry. And a big part of figuring out, like, infantry, there's, like, kind of a very standard that the, like, army has figured out. Like, a standard weight that a soldier can carry to, like, while still, like, walking a whole lot. And soldiers now have a lot more gear because they have all this, like, you know, cool, like... You know, heat sensor camera technology and like the night vision goggles, and like they're carrying around computers and stuff uh, and body armor. Uh, so, making the the actual gun a lot lighter allows them to give them like more defensive uh, tools to carry around. They're very famous. There's so many very famous scenes with guns in movies, right?
1: Well, I'll, okay. So, I'm going to see if you know. Can I ask you? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So, the Dirty Harry. I think we already talked about this, but.
0: Dirty Harry was the the 44 Magnum.
1: Correct. The In Desperado.
0: In Desperado. There's a,
1: there's a guitar guitar case gun. What kind of gun? Was that like Antonio was that?
0: Banderas's like partner has like a guitar case that also mm-hmm. has like a machine gun in it? And what
1: machine gun would that be?
0: Is it a Maxim?
1: Yes it is. Very good. Nice
0: single barrel machine gun. Yeah. The 007. Uh we that's the Walter PP. PPK.
1: PPK. <laughs> PPK. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, it's like a little I mean, yeah, if you remember the movies with like classic Sean Connery, James Bond, it's a little black gun.
1: What is the little friend from Scarface?
0: Oh say hello to my little friend. That's uh it's not little though, right? He pulls out an automatic it's, yeah, gun. So is it a Kalashnikov? It's he an AR-15. AR-15. Ar okay, so he's got an American gun. I was guessing. I was like, well, he's Cuban, so maybe right? he got it yeah, from, he got, yeah. from the Cubans who would have like the the Soviet gun. Yeah. Nice. Um,
1: what? It gun in the Predator. Oh yeah, I talked. We talked about this
0: actually. That's a gap.
1: Yep.
0: Yes. Issues the gap. Yeah, that's that's a classic scene where he feeds all of he he feeds all of the ammo, like all like two thousand rounds that he has into the gun. Wipes like just deforesting the whole forest. Misses the predator still, mm-hmm. and then it ends. He's like catatonic Oops. almost, and the gun barrel's just rotating still. Oh yeah, Very still creepy shooting, scene. Yeah. Well, it's not shooting; it's run out of ammo. So you just hear the like. Is <laughs> it just like the barrels turning? Creepy.
1: Scary, spooky, scary. Mm-hmm. Well, Han Solo's. G- Blaster. What is it based
0: on? <laughs> oh, he has a little like he yeah. fires like from the hip in that one scene. Yeah, or a lot. I think he shoots from the hip. Um, I don't know. Is that is it based on like a a Beretta?
1: It's a Mauser. Or, oh, a Mauser C ninety six. The a person who does have a an underworld underworld she has a Beretta the the full auto Beretta.
0: Oh, she would have a ladies gun. I like yeah. his handgun,
1: yeah. She uses a pair of them.
0: Yeah, I didn't, it, it kind of like went over my head, but there is a, a great scene in The Irishman where he talks about, he lays all his guns out on the bed and talks about what he prefers for like which use oh, case. Oh, yeah, that's and true. He's, and he chooses like for the diner like sh- assassination, I think he chooses a three fifty seven because he's like, I want a good medium sized gun. Yeah. The .45 is like too conspicuous. I can't bring that into a restaurant. And I don't want this little, you know, like twenty-two, a nice mid-sized gun. For this assassination.
1: Tell me the specialty guns and then I'll tell you some myths from movies. I'll tell you just about
0: <laughs> then one famous sniper.
1: I guess yeah, I guess he wasn't too good if we know if we know about
0: him. Oh, he was very good. They know about him from his memoirs. Simo Haya is Finnish. He's referred to by his nickname The White Death. He was a <laughs> Finnish military sniper in World War Two. During the 1939 to 1940 Winter War against the Soviet Union. So this is kind of a precursor to World War II. The Soviets invaded Finland in like late 1939, much like they're invading Ukraine today. And at first they had like a lot of advances and then they got bogged down and it didn't go very well for them. Uh, And the Finnish snipers, because I guess the Finns, because they're a pretty rural country, had a lot of guns, wiped out the Soviets. So this guy killed uh, over 500 men during the war. The highest number of sniper kills in any major war. Who killed him? He lived until 2002. He lived another like 60 years after the war. He did get injured at some point. I guess he did did finally get shot. But he He like, he escaped. He like tramped like for a day, killed and ate a pigeon or something. So he used a Finnish-produced M2830, a variant of the Mosin-Nagant rifle. So he was using a Soviet rifle, is the, like, funny thing. Um, and he did also use a submachine gun.
1: So th- the silencers, this is, it goes into the myth, right? So if you're a sniper, would you use a silencer on your gun or not?
0: Probably not, because if you're shooting from far enough away, they probably can't locate, like, where you are from the sound. And I would bet a, a silencer, like, hurts the accuracy of your shot.
1: Yes. Um, there's, like, a, a whole bunch of things around silencers.
0: If you don't miss, you don't have to use a silencer because they won't hear it.
1: It's true. Why would people use a silencer?
0: Well, it makes sense you'd want to use a, a silencer on, like, a handgun, for example. If you Like James Bond. If, you, if you're a spy and you want to quietly kill someone. Do you know how a silencer works?
1: It puts its hand over the guns. It goes... <laughs>
0: No, a silencer is not. There's not noise-absorbing material in it. It's basically like a, a chamber that lets air uh,
1: compression. It's like an air. It compression, lets the
0: right? air decompress when it comes out of the gun before it like gets out into the atmosphere. So there's not as much of a like shock wave because that's what makes the noise when a gun fires. It's the air and like compressed gas from the ignition, like like coming out of the gun, is what creates like the shock wave.
1: I think I heard when you hear the sound of a gun you're hearing three different like things are making a sound and you can still, c- even if you do have a silencer, you have to use ear protection. Cause I think if Bruce Willis is like deaf in one ear because he just never used ear protection in his movies.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. You have still got the cartridge or even like, I guess if you're using a blank on a movie set, unless you're on the Alec Baldwin movie rust where they had a bullet in the gun for some reason. Um mm. You're still, like, a, a blank has gunpowder in it. It just doesn't have a bullet is the idea. So it, it, like, makes the sound of a, you know, a cartridge being hit and a bullet being fired. But it's supposed to shoot just, like, a wad of cotton or something instead of a bullet. Yeah, do you know how uh, Jason Lee on the set of The Crow, another, like, famous Hollywood firearm accident? Oh, how
1: he died? Yeah, how he died. He he shot the, bu- the gun backwards by accident? No. no. <laughs> okay.
0: I don't know. Um, I think what happened is that like the something the technicians like didn't clean the gun correctly, so there was like gunpowder residue in the gun, so then, for whatever reason they had pulled a bullet in and the blank managed to maybe it was like a double barrel gun or something the The blank managed to like trigger the gunpowder residue and shoot a bullet out of the other like barrel of this gun, which is how he got shot.
1: Okay, can I tell you some movie myths? This is the coolest one that I learned. It's basically that guns, like unless they're like a very special, a specialty, a specialty kind of gun, they don't work underwater. So if you're being shot at, you can, or they like, it greatly diffuses the like velocity, mm-hmm. so you can just like go underwater if you're being shot at.
0: Yeah, in uh in one of the John Wicks, I forget which one, there is a scene where. He, like, is fighting, you know, with somebody, and they both (coughs) fall into, like, a pool, and they, like, both shoot at each other, and you see the bullet, like, go very slowly out of the gun. It's, like, movie. it's, like, accurate, I guess. People have written about this. The bullet moves very slowly, so John Wick reaches out and grabs the bad guy and presses his gun right to the guy's chest, and then pulls the trigger, and it kills him.
1: So you were talking about in Dirty, Dirty Harry when Clint Eastwood makes a statement about losing count of the rounds he fired. Mm-hmm. This would not happen with a pistol. He would know because a pistol will lock with the slide open when it's out of ammunition.
0: Oh, to make it convenient to reload. Yeah. Interesting. So
1: that was a lie. He knew he, he knew he still a had left. Yeah.
0: So, by the way, famously in Dirty Harry, the movie ends with a very similar scene where he's tracked down the serial killer. He's like, I
1: forgot again.
0: (laughs) Exactly. He, like, starts to make... He kind of makes the same speech, and the serial killer then, like, goes to draw on him, and Dirty Harry, like, Clint Eastwood shoots him because he does have a bullet left. So maybe that's what it was, like, a preview of.
1: Okay, so in a lot of video games, Mm -hmm. there's a ping sound when... The clip exits the gun, like the the last shot is fired. Uh, it's the sound that was heard in Saving pri- Private Ryan has been the subject of debate for over twenty years. It's not a myth, but it's it's outrageous that U.S. soldiers threw the clips to fool Germans into thinking their guns were empty. Oh, like that they they were like throwing clips on the ground to make oh. you know.
0: But like no one's gonna actually hear that during right. a battle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's it says that they uh it might make a ping but fewer are likely to hear it because there's gunfire and explosions
0: It is a very distinctive sound of a, a like a, a a shell or a casing like hitting a, a floor though I've sampled it in songs oh before. really yeah and in uh
1: we instead it off right that starts with it the diplo. diploma or there's okay never mind yeah the electronic
0: artist uh burial Mm -hmm. uh famously like his his album was made with a bunch of sounds that he sampled from metal gear solid which includes a lot of like shell casing sounds okay you want to know the most accurate gun in the world it's the mcmillan Tac 50 okay um, which is now used by like elite sniper groups. The best sniper groups in- Sniper
1: groups? What yeah,
0: so, like teams of snipers. There's teams? Yeah. God. They work together.
1: That that's wild.
0: Snipers always come in pairs.
1: would. yeah, I would never you've got the you spotter, can't trust them.
0: You've got the spotter and the sniper. Mm. Um and then uh yeah, the most accurate, I guess, or the longest range confirmed kills are actually from all these Canadians. From yeah, during the Iraq War, these this Canadian sniper units—they're
1: like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh sorry?
1: They don't like to do it close though because they can't deal with the the guilt. Okay, what's your solution? Not done.
0: The longest confirmed kill was from 2.2 miles away.
1: That's very far.
0: Yeah, pretty wild. Okay, that's it. That's, that's what's
1: your solution to gun control?
0: <laughs> no, this podcast is not about that. <laughs>
1: No but what do you think um what do you think would prevent what's your one tip to prevent death Um <laughs> uh,
0: So there's two points. One is that enforcing existing gun control laws would fix like there are already a lot of laws on the books. Yes,
1: but what's your like about law?
0: having to like get a license to own a gun and like registering your guns and like tracking them right and like education for like owning a gun. Right. And most of them, like a lot of them aren't followed. Okay, it's often a problem.
1: What's your solution, personally?
0: Infor- enforcing and making the penalties for not following those laws, like much stricter. By gun. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that by using so guns, cool. by shooting the people. I'll just laws. pistol whip you.
1: My my solution is that when you buy a gun, you they, the government has to subsidize the gun stores to do like a little cute two week like gun camp where you get to like hug each other and like have a trust circle i think you're the trust circle you just like point your guns at, because that way also if you're like gonna get you the never, gun, never
0: you never point that's like a real basic of like firing range discipline you absolutely never point your gun anywhere except at the firing range
1: it's true it's true. These are true things.
0: Also trigger discipline very important. Yeah. You never ever put your finger on the trigger unless you're like you ready to shoot your gun. Always act
1: like your gun is loaded at all times. Yes,
0: always act your gun is loaded and always have your You'll see it when people correctly like show off with their assault rifles or whatever. In clips, they have their their index finger is straight over the trigger or below it. Mm-hmm. Because you don't put it on the or trigger until it. you're ready. Or In just hold hand. it up like a baby. Yeah. You swaddle it.
1: Yeah. Well, so you would point your finger (laughs) like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like some some type of like human uh, bonding would help because then also if you're getting the gun for suicide purposes, maybe you would feel happier after going to gun camp.
0: Yeah. we'll we'll perhaps do a a separate episode on gun control or uh, issues with about gun violence, because, you know, it's, it's a very complex subject, their entire podcast dedicated to it. Yes.
1: Wow, that was a lot. <laughs>
0: a, lot of, a lot of guns.
1: That was so many guns.
0: Um. Yeah, any other stats or movie?
1: No, that's, that's good, we're good. <laughs> we're good.
0: <laughs> we're good.
1: <laughs> we're good.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about, cause we also didn't even get into like, oh, no. well, we're not we going to, I was saying like, cause I started reading about tanks for example and like the gun. different no, kinds no, 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 of guns on the tanks and I was reading about cannons and like anti-aircraft and like we've got t- just weapons. We're never going to run out of material for future episodes, let me say. <laughs> all right, I think that's a reasonable a reasonable summary of all the guns. I was going to talk about two other famous sharpshooters, but What? That no. Also co- made come us on. Come right
1: on. Out. Come on, bam. We we'll <laughs> cut this. Yeah, the, this is, like, super interesting. I think we
0: got it. any final, like, closing thoughts you have? What is a ghost gun?
1: It's a gun without a serial number.
0: Just, a right, like, some people build their own cars. You can certainly assemble your own gun.
1: And people do, and you can look at it on YouTube because they give you a nice little tour.
0: Yeah, but those guns don't have serial numbers.
1: I mean, you can, you know, you can scratch something. People also people. will file
0: the serial number <laughs> off their gun because and the gun do? is <laughs> registered to somebody. Um, and guns God. are generally supposed to be tracked through like a national registry system. and that's also a big problem. There's all these loopholes, as I was saying, existing laws, there's all these loopholes with like if you buy a gun at like a trade show at a church, they like don't follow it and they're supposed to be, there's often like a waiting period to buy a gun. You know like that's the thing. Yeah, so that you don't
1: they make you think about it. They're like you, you, you really run think out about to buy a gun. It. Maybe you shouldn't be buying this gun at all
0: but you can buy guns at Walmart. You sure? Pretty easy I think place so, to get I don't know. Yeah, I never, they...
1: I've never been to a Walmart, so I, I don't know.
0: Oh, it's in the outdoor section. You can't buy handguns at Walmart. You can definitely go buy rifles at Walmart. They're not very expensive. That was the most surprising thing I learned in this whole episode.
1: Yeah, my most surprising thing is that you can't get shot underwater. So I know where I'll be. <laughs> Let's <laughs> okay. go swimming. We'll scuba diving. <laughs> yes.
0: Trust as a mermaid.
1: Exactly, that's why mermaids never get shot.
0: Yeah. No, but I was surprised that, uh, that yeah, that's why mermaids <laughs> never get shot. Yeah. Tried in accidents, maybe, but never shot. The bayonet. <laughs> hmm Yeah. That, uh, how inexpensive guns are. You can get a, a rifle for a couple hundred bucks and even a Glock, like a cutting edge, uh, semi-automatic handgun is only about 600 bucks. That's Sweet. cheaper than a phone. And once yeah. you have the Glock, you don't have to buy a phone.
1: It's true. <laughs> you, can, you can just you threaten can have, people. You can
0: have any phone you want at that point. True. All right. Well, thanks okay. for joining us.
1: Thank you. And we're saving up money to buy a gun. So can you please give us a five-star review and leave a cute comment? And also, as you can see, if you recommend episodes that you want us to do, we will do them.
0: He'll look around the room and won't tell you his plans. If I'm a six-shooter